rushing wind. Ooh, we're calling for revival. God, let your fire fall again. It's burning in my soul. It's burning in my soul. And I cannot contain it, this fire inside. Oh, hear the sound from heaven. Oh, a mighty rushing wind. Oh, we're calling for revival. God, let your fire fall again. It's burning in my soul. It's burning in my soul. It's burning in my soul. There is power, power Here in this hour, this hour We're all together, together Waiting here as one It's burning in my soul Good morning, Mac. We are glad you are here. We got a video real quick for VBS, and then Joe's going to have some. Good morning. Okay. Uh, There are a lot of announcements, so you really need to take a look at your bulletin. There's some colorful inserts. Uh, I'm going to highlight a couple of them because it's very important that you uh, keep up to speed on these because there's so many things going on this summer. Um, One main... Well, wait for my phone to adjust here. Um, on Wednesday night meals, uh, the next get-together for Wednesday night meal or uh, prayer time is on June 1st. Uh, we are, right now, no more Wednesday nights till June 1st. So that'll be, uh, just make sure that if you show up, uh, bring a bag lunch if you're coming and it's before June 1st. Because you'll be the only one here. Just to let you know. Um, on, there will also be a brief family meeting on the 22nd uh, for members of the church. Please uh, be there for that. Very important announcements uh, and very important things to consider for Muncie Alliance Church. Um, also, there's going to be a men's, uh, not sorry, women's luncheon right after that meeting. So please, uh, ladies, attend. 
and you'll enjoy yourself there. Uh, child care will be provided. All the women are invited and encouraged to attend. Uh, we're searching for a part-time bookkeeper. Today's the last day to put in a resume. Uh, if you want to apply for that position, the notice is in your bulletin also for more details. Um, reaching children in your neighborhood. Uh, Lisa Blaylock is spearheading a group of children, I think there's five of them, that have been trained to um, really evangelize the children in your neighborhood. So if you'd like to be a sponsor for one of these five and have them come to your home and they will uh, provide all of the education for these children to give them the word of God, but you'll be providing a snack and a place for them to meet, whether it's at the, a park right near your home or uh, at your home. So that's uh, also in your bulletin for the details, and you can get a hold of Lisa Blaylock if you're interested in sponsoring one of those teens. Uh, the Children's Ministry invites all those, uh, all ages, to go to the Golden um, Living Nursing Home on Saturday, and that's the 21st at 9.30 a.m. You're going to spend time with the youth who will be going, and you'll spend time with the seniors and fellowship with them. Also, there the high school students stay in the service with your parents there won't be a time for you out in the entryway thank you um i'm gonna actually go off script for just a minute here if you don't mind i after we sing that last song about burning in my soul and something i i felt like the holy spirit was wanting me to share this this morning um i shared it with the worship team and a couple others but just a really neat story about how god uses the body of christ um uh, several months ago gina job had said that she would love to pray for me before i help with the worship team and um i'd forgotten <laughs> until last night and i actually texted her and i said i would really appreciate your prayers um i've really been struggling i felt like my mind was kind of a battlefield this week and it was causing me to be kind of down and and she was like sure i'm right on it and and started praying well i just kind of went about my business then i um thought you know what i really feel like i should read psalm 42 so i started reading it and it was um it starts as the deer pants for water so my soul longs after you and then down at the end it says why so downcast oh my soul put your hope in god and i was just reading that on repeat and then i fell asleep and then i woke up and i had a text from from gina and she said i really feel like the lord's saying you should read psalm 42 uh, verse 11 and and so it was just a cool picture of um, just someone else, an, an extension of the body of Christ helping. And Anyway, I just wanted to share that to you today, to be like, you know, we sing songs about God can move mountains, and sometimes we think he can't move us, you know. Um, but I just wanted to praise God for that. So, anyway. Amen. Amen. Would, you, would you stand with us? We'll, let's spend some time um, singing to our Lord and Savior. Clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy for the Lord most high is awesome the great king over all the earth he subdues nations under us and peoples under our feet he chose our inheritance for us the pride of Jacob whom he loved God has ascended amidst shouts of joy for the kings of the earth belong to God he is greatly exalted
Father everlasting, the all-creating one, God Almighty. Through your Holy Spirit, conceiving Christ the Son, Jesus our Savior. I believe in God our Father, I believe in Christ the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit, our God is three in one, I believe in the resurrection, that we will rise again, for I believe in the name of Jesus. Judge and our defender suffered and crucified. Forgiveness is in you. Descended into darkness, you rose in glorious light. Forever seated high. I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit, our God is three in one, I believe in the resurrection, that we will rise again, for I believe in the name of Jesus, because I believe in you. Christ is Lord. I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again. For I believe in the name of Jesus. I believe in life eternal. I believe in the virgin birth. I believe in the saints' communion. And in your holy church. I believe in the resurrection. When Jesus comes again. For I believe in the name of Jesus. 
For I believe in the name of Jesus. For I believe in the name of Jesus. I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again. For I believe in the name of Jesus. Oh, you are the Lord of all the 
calms the wind and waves and makes my heart be still. Though the earth gives way, the mountains move into the sea, the nations rage. I know my God is in control. Lord of hosts, you're with us, with us in the fire. With us as a shelter, with us in the storm, you will lead us through the fiercest battle. Oh, where else would we go with the Lord of hosts? Lord of hosts, you're with us, with us in the fire, with us as a shelter. With us in the storm, you will lead us through the fiercest battle. Oh, where else would we go with the Lord of from the mouth. 
As the children are leaving, just a reminder, junior and senior high stay in here with the rest of us this morning. One of the things that we get to do as a pastor, that I get to do as a pastor from time to time is uh, some of the fun things that don't always happen. Um, And today is one of those days when we get to rejoice uh, and celebrate and uh, in a baby dedication. And uh, go back to 1 Samuel, Hannah uh, was unable to bear children. She prayed to the Lord to give her a child and God answered that prayer and she vowed to dedicate her son Samuel to the Lord. And after he was weaned, she actually brought him to the uh, temple, presented him to the priest and left him there 
Now, we don't do that. <laughs> Otherwise, we don't bring your baby and leave them with me um, t- to raise from that point on. Um, that would just kind of be scary for everyone. But uh, this morning we do. That's kind of behind uh, baby dedications. This is more a dedication to the parents, or a dedication of the parents, uh, than it is of actually the baby. Just a vow to, to raise this child in a godly home. So I'm going to ask Jacob and, and Lacey Kirk and Marley if they will come forward this morning. I've been working on Marley for about three weeks now. We'll see what happens. <laughs> well, Jake, Jake and Lacey, it is, uh, you know that Marley is a gift um, given to you by God and uh, to raise and has entrusted uh, her with you. So let me ask you, as you come and present her, before the Lord, dedicate her. Uh, is it your intent to raise her in a godly home, a Christ-centered home, uh, to teach her to pray, uh, to to revere the God's Word, the Bible, and uh, Lord, to, to even uh, be able to lead her uh, in her own faith uh, at some at some point? Is that your instruction today? Very good. And I'm going to ask you, the church, because they're not going to be able to do this alone. And I ask you, the church, will you commit to being the example that Marley needs? Uh, to be an example and a help uh, to, to Jake and Lacey uh, and, and to come alongside them uh, in raising this little girl. If, that is, if, if you will commit to that, say we will. There's your babysitters. Right there. They all said it. Marley, will you come to me? Are you sure? Do you want Ted? See, that's what I get. I get the smile and the batting of the eye, but not. Well, let's pray. Let's pray for Marley. Father, we are thankful that you have gifted the Kirks with Marley. Lord, we just pray your blessing upon her. Uh, Lord, that you will protect her, watch out over her. Give her, uh, Father, the, the opportunities that she needs. Uh, to be all that you have created her to be. Lord, we pray that you would lead Jake and Lacey uh, as mom and dad in raising her. Father, protect them. Grant them wisdom and care. And Lord, we just pray that as as her life, uh, you have laid it out before her. You have seen the beginning and the end. You have seen every day. Father, give her the strength. And we pray that in, in, in due time, she will place her faith in you. And that, that will just her life will begin to unfold. Uh, in a glorious tribute to who you are and what you can do. And so, Father, we just commit the Kirks to you. And we ask that you would bless them, guide them, direct them. In Jesus' name, amen. One last chance. Come here. There we go. We'll get a pound out of it. Very good. Oh, here. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. I love baby dedications, even when the baby plays hard to get. A number of years ago, maybe 20, they start to get fuzzy after a while. Uh, I was in charge of, I was a youth pastor at the time, and I was in charge of our northern Indiana regional churches, the Alliance churches in that region. 
We called it a zone at that point. There were about 12 churches all in northern Indiana. And uh, I was in charge of the youth ministries, of, the, of kind of getting the youth ministries together from time to time. We did a junior and senior high youth camp in the summer. Um, we did uh, a New Year's Eve bash every year, all-nighter, where they'd come. And we just, it was actually kind of a, a traveling show. We, uh, we had them meet at the church and... and uh, we had food and we had games and we had some worship and a speaker and then we w- welcomed in the new year and then we went and all loaded up in cars and we went and played laser tag. We did uh, uh, bowling at night and then we ended up at Denny's or someplace like that for breakfast and we just fed everyone uh, breakfast and so a big New Year's bash. And so we would do things like this from time to time. Have you ever done something big? And then looked back on it and thought, what were we thinking? As youth pastors, that happens a lot. Because everything's a great idea. Until it comes right down to actually fulfilling the idea. And then you think, what were we thinking? One summer... I and the other Alliance youth pastor in Fort Wayne, Randy Samuels was his name. He was at one church, I was at another church. And we decided to combine our youth groups and take a trip to Cedar Point. It was about a four-hour drive from Fort Wayne to Sandusky. And we said, you know what? Why don't we just invite all of the other churches to go with us? And because some of them will have to drive, you know, half hour, 45 minutes, just those other 12 churches in our zone, we'll do an all-nighter the night before, and then we'll get up early and we'll drive to Cedar Point, we'll do Cedar Point, and then we can all come home. That sounded like a really, really good idea. And we said, chances are most of the churches aren't going to show up anyway. 150 junior and senior high kids registered to go to Cedar Point. We suddenly, when we saw the numbers, we realized we got trouble. We have to have a program, games, for what we thought was going to be 30 or 40, maybe 50 kids. We're going to have to feed them the night before. We're going to have to somewhat entertain them. Then we're going to have to get them to all quiet down and actually sleep. And then somehow we have to transport 150 kids four hours to Cedar Point. And then not lose anyone in the park. And get them all home. Well, we started planning Fast and Furious at that point, and we decided, okay, we'll have the girls sleep, all the girls will sleep in the fellowship hall, all the guys will sleep in the sanctuary, and the people who have volunteered to drive, they will get to sleep in the offices, because that will be the quietest place for them to go. Randy and I volunteered to stay up all night and police the area. Make sure that the kids get down, make sure that they're asleep, make sure that everything is, you know, good with 150 kids. So we volunteered, and then we just said, we'll sleep on the way, we won't drive. It worked. We got up the next morning, kids were great, the driver slept, all but one. Somehow she felt she needed to help us keep the kids down. And Randy and I got in our van that 
was going to drive with no kids and it was going to be uh, restful, peaceful, four hours, we would get at least four hours sleep before the park. I didn't realize how bad Randy Samuels snores. I couldn't sleep in the van. He did, no problem. But we got, and I was the old man on the bench at Cedar Point like this, most of the day. I don't really remember the park at all, but I slept, and then the one driver who didn't sleep, I had to drive their car home, um, because she couldn't at that point. But we made it. We got everyone home, as far as I know, safely. We didn't lose anyone in the park. But let me ask you, have you ever had a task or a job that, that started out simple, but then it just got too big. Every home improvement job I've ever started falls into this category. Because you start something and then you, you know, you're tearing up carpet and now you say, oh, I got to do this. Now that, this leads to this one and this leads to that and now I got to do this and, and, now, and then let's just rebuild, let's just build a whole new house. That would be much simpler. Seems like every job, when you start it, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And sometimes it can be incredibly overwhelming. When you step back and you look at what you're about to do. When I candidated and began considering coming to Mac uh, to be your lead pastor, meeting with the elders, meeting with the search committee, meeting with district staff... We began to, they began to explain to me what the mission or the vision for Mac was. And I remember very, very distinctly sitting down with the elders and them at that uh, an evening and sharing a meal with them and they began to explain what was happening. And they said, we have taken personal responsibility for all of the lost people in Delaware County. I don't even know how many that is. But it's a lot. We couldn't fit them all in here. And I went, that's huge. And they said, well wait. We also have committed to take on the responsibility of all of the lost students at Ball State University. Seriously? Well, and we also kind of want to extend our ministry and our reach to the ends of the earth. Okay, I don't know about you, but that's daunting. To, to be a church that takes on the responsibility of all the lost souls in the county, on the campus, to the ends of the earth. I said, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's see what God's going to do. Let's see how God's going to unfold this incredible vision that it really is too big for any one of us, really too big for all of us. To attempt. I wonder if Nehemiah ever felt that way in rebuilding Jerusalem's walls. Remember back in chapter 1, we spent a few weeks in Nehemiah. We're going to be in Nehemiah 3. You can turn there uh, if you want to this morning. I wonder if when, when his brother came at the beginning of chapter 1 and explained to him what the condition of Jerusalem was, that the people were disgraced, they were in distress, they were in trouble, that Jerusalem's walls were torn down and the gates were burned. And remember it was then that, that we discovered, because Jeremiah went, or Nehemiah went into a time of prayer and fasting and mourning, 
And that if we are going to renew this city, the rubble, spiritual rubble around us, that we began unfolding some of the principles that Nehemiah reveals to us in rebuilding the wall. Remember that first one is that we have to have a heart that's broken for the lostness of this city. Because unless our heart is broken for the lostness of the city, our heart will never be fully engaged in the renewal of it. And then we we learned that as he prayed, that we discovered that success in this incredible daunting task is only going to come as a response to prayer and confidence in a God that is huge and great and awe-inspiring. And then as we went into chapter 2, we we discovered that not only are we going to have to be praying and fasting, weekly fasting, praying daily, but God is going to provide, that God's vision requires God's provision, which is going to be dependent upon the people's revision, that we revise how we spend our time, we revise how we, what we do with our stuff, in order that our time and our, our stuff, we steward it to where it reflects God's vision. And then last week, as we, as we started uh, through, as, as Nehemiah was going through and, and taking his nightly tour, his midnight tour of, of the city and, and just what shape it was in, that we realized that the first step in any plan is preparation. And then we have to prepare ourselves. We have to assess where we are. We have to assess the world, the needs around us. We have to assess the people that are, that are going to help us. That we are all in this together. Jerusalem lies in ruins. And its gates are burned. And Nehemiah, one man, with a vision that had never been to Jerusalem before. Nobody knew him there. Had the idea that he was going to travel 900 miles and rebuild at least nine gates and about two and a half miles of wall. Now this wasn't just a fence they were building. I mean, it wasn't just a marking wall. This had to be a defensive wall. So there had to be some height to it. There had to be some width, some breadth to it. To keep the enemies out. Two and a half miles. So we find ourselves now in Nehemiah chapter 3. And I'm not going to read the whole chapter to you. We're just going to kind of walk through it and pinpoint some of the verses. But after that midnight tour and seeing all the, the rubble around them, the job had to have seemed huge. And I wonder if Nehemiah ever said, what have we gotten ourselves into? What have, what have I committed to? And so he began to, to, to share that vision, to share what was needed to the officials, to the leaders of Jerusalem at that point. And he shares the vision in, in the city and they say, let's start rebuilding. They were behind him. They believed that God was going to do this. And so as we begin reading in chapter 3, we see now that they're, gonna, they're beginning to, to rebuild the wall. And chapter 3, if you're like most people, when you get to chapter 3 and you see all those names, what do you do? Turn the page, let's get to chapter 4. Because it just it reads like a genealogy, and nobody reads the genealogies in Scripture, right? 
You skip that part. That's where you catch up with your, your uh, New Year's resolution. When you hit numbers, you can fly right through those because it's just a bunch of names. But if we skip chapter 3, we are going to miss the strategy of rebuilding renewal, of rebuilding rubble. We're going to miss the strategy, and strategy is important to the success of any plan. And what Nehemiah reveals to us here is his strategy to rebuild Jerusalem. And out of it, we're going to pull our strategy to rebuild Delaware County, to spiritually renew Ball State University and to the ends of the earth. You can have an incredible vision for what the future looks like. You can, you can have an incredible mission for what you want to do, but if you also then have to have a good strategy on how you're going to do it, how are you going to plan that out? How are you going to make this thing happen? How are we going to reconcile all people unto God in Delaware County, Ball State University, and to the ends of the earth? How are we going to do that? Nehemiah gives us some ideas. Nehemiah begins to, to lay it out. Chapter 3 reveals his strategy, and it sheds light on ours. So, Nehemiah had really a two-part strategy. He had people, and he had a pattern. And that's what we have. We have people, and we have a pattern. The first thing we notice in this chapter is the list of people involved. Now, why would Nehemiah have included such a detailed list? Couldn't he, have just, couldn't he have just said there were a lot of people that helped? And we rebuilt this gate and this gate and this gate and then we rebuilt the walls in between those gates and, and everybody got involved and, it was a, and a good time was had by all. But what we see here in this list is a diversity of people. He starts with the high priest. Eliashib and his, and his fellow priests, he says, Eliashib the high priest and his fellow priests began rebuilding the sheep gate. We see Levites, religious leaders. We see goldsmiths, perfumers, city officials, merchants, shopkeepers, temple servants, families. Look at verse 12. Beside him, Shalom, son of Halohesh, ruler over half the district of Jerusalem, made repairs. He and his daughters. Then he got the, the whole family involved in rebuilding, in transforming the rubble. We can even read throughout there that there were Jews not living in Jerusalem. We see Jews from Jericho, from Tekoa, from Gibeon, from Mizpah, and other places where people would come and they would help. They would dive in. Even though they didn't live there, they came and wanted to be a part. Nehemiah's strategy was people. It's going to take all of us working together to accomplish a task that is bigger than any one of us by ourselves. But together, with God, submitted by prayer, in a confidence in a God that can do anything and everything... We can. We can transform Delaware County. We can transform Ball State University. And anyone who says we can't, 
Your God's too small. God can do anything. All things are possible. Nehemiah's plan to do the impossible started with people. And he could have just said all the people. But he names them by name because every one of these people, every one of these families were real. They had a name. And more importantly, they had a story. They had a story behind that name. They they had a history there. And Nehemiah didn't want to blow over the, the history, blow over the stories of these people. And so he lists them by name. It's a list of real people with real stories. And that's who Mac is. That's who Muncie Alliance Church is. We are a group of people, real people, with real stories. That when we come together, it's an incredible story of what God has done and what God has yet to do. You, and hear this this morning, you are important. You're important to God. You're important to His plan. You're important to reaching the lost in this county, on this campus. You are important to to making sure that the truth of the gospel gets to the ends of the earth. You, individually, are important. Don't ever forget that. I'm sure he's in the the list here in chapter 3 didn't think they were important until they read their name on the record. We did do that. I did do that. My family did do that. Plan starts with people. Real lives with real stories that matter. And so, here's our principle for today. The principle that we can draw from Nehemiah's strategy is that renewal begins right where we live and breathe. Where the people are. That if we're going to transform Delaware County, our number one plan is the people that we have in Delaware County and even outside the county, because some of you drive from outside the county. Some of you are the Jerichos and the Tacoas. God wants to start renewing right where you are because you're important. That He wants to use you right where you live and breathe. I know that some agree, some agree with official church membership in, in a local church and some don't, and that's okay. We're not really here to, to argue that point. But I think this is why membership is so important. I think why an, an official register of a church is so important. It's not just a list of people who have certain privileges at the annual meeting, but it, it's a list of real people with real stories who come together as a real church to make a real difference. You are important. You're an important part of God's story. And for as long as you are here, you are an important part of Mac's story. What God is wanting to do through this place, through this body of believers, God desires to reconcile all people to Himself. You've heard me say that over and over and over and over again. Don't ever get tired of it because you're going to hear it continually. To the point of you're going to be saying it. 
God desires to reconcile all people to Himself, every person here is important to the ministry of reconciliation. To the ministry of reconciliation of Delaware County, you're important. To the ministry of reconciliation of Ball State University, you are important. To the ministry of reconciliation to the ends of the earth, you are important. If you're a believer, your story is God's success story in transforming a life. And that story needs to be heard. That story needs to be told. That story needs to be lived out. Chapter 3 is a pretty diverse membership list. And I'll be honest with you, Mac is not as diverse as I would like it to be. We look around, we all kind of look the same. That might encourage some of you, might very discourage a lot of you. We have work to do. We have work to do to, to, to begin to model a church, a diverse church, a diverse group of people. My vision is that, that we become that Revelation church. That Revelation chapter 7 verse 9 where it says, After this I looked and there was a vast multitude from every nation, every tribe, every people, every language, which no one could number. Ball State University. In the student population there are 43 countries represented. Not counting the United States. There are 675 international students. There are over 200 students from China alone. A country that for years we couldn't get into. So God brought them to us. There are over 200 Saudi students from Saudi Arabia. Again, a country we can't get into. So God brought them to us. We have uh, an incredible opportunity before us. And that while this door is open, we have to take responsibility. We have to take that opportunity to reconcile all people to God. And renewal begins right where we live and breathe. The second part of his strategy is the pattern. We will tend to read chapter 3 in a, in a linear fashion, like we read most stories. We just go right through it. But, but look at the map. You'll, you'll notice uh, on the map that we tend to, when we read, we'll go gate to 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 chapter 4. But if we really look at where this is going, if we really, if we really begin to see how, how Nehemiah lays it out, he says in verse 1, the high priests and fellow priests start on the sheep gate. That's the gate all the way straight at the top. See under the circle, sheep gate? That's where the high priest and all the other priests started to rebuild that gate. And then we move down and we, can, we begin seeing that people are working on the fish gate and then the old gate and then the spaces in between and then down at the valley gate and there was a group that worked for like 500 yards they took on all the way down to the dung gate and the fountain gate and others were working on the water gate and the horse gate and back up to the prison gate. And then if you get to the end of chapter 3, you see in verse 32, 
that it says the goldsmiths and the merchants are working on the sheep gate. Full circle. Everyone involved, all working at the same time to complete the task. The priests and the goldsmiths worked on the sheep gate because it was the main gate that led into the temple area. The temple is just below the sheep gate. And so as people were coming to the temple, they worked, they, they would come through the sheep gate to get to the temple. And so it only made sense that the priests and the goldsmith, the workers and the merchants, because all of the, 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 the uh, shopkeepers and all were right around that gate too, that they all chimed in to work on the gate where they live and breathe. Because renewal begins right where we live and breathe. One of the phrases that have been used to describe what Mac is working to accomplish is a decentralized ministry. And what that means is for years people have looked at the church and the ministry of the church as to what goes on inside these walls. That we are a centralized, that, that in order to, to be a part of Muncie Alliance Church or, or any church, in order to be a part of the ministry, in order to be touched or impacted by the ministry, you had to come to the campus in order for that to happen. We're wanting to flip that around. And we're saying that we're taking the ministry and we're decentralizing it. It's not going to all happen here a lot and most of it's going to happen out there. Because renewal happens where? Where we live and breathe. We only live and breathe here a couple hours a week. Maybe three or four for some of you. But we live and breathe out there. In the, with the shop owners. In the schools. In the workplaces. In our neighborhoods. That's where we live and breathe. That's where we have to take the ministry. That's where we have to accomplish the reconciliation of all people to God. means we want our ministry to happen out there in the city more than here in this building out there where we live where we work where we play where we go to school the communities where we live the correct answer and and pastors will ask this when pastors get together or people will ask well where is your church And my answer is always, I'm not sure. Because they're scattered all over Delaware County. We've got men and women strategically placed on Ball State's campus in jobs, in roles, faculty and staff. We have people downtown. We have people out in the country. We have people in businesses. We have business owners. We have shopkeepers. At any given moment, I couldn't tell you where Muncie Alliance Church is. And I know that's not what they mean. But that's the truth. That that, that we have this pattern of circling the city. This pattern of, of encompassing, building in a sense our own ministry of reconciliation wall throughout this county, throughout the campus, throughout the world. Look at three more verses, because this, these are key. Look at verse 10. Chapter 3, verse 10. It says, After them, Jedahiah, son of Haramoth, which is another reason I didn't want to read the whole chapter, 
made repairs across from his house. If you jump down to verse 23, you're going to see that phrase again, where it says, And then Benjamin and Hashub made repairs opposite their house. Verse 28, Each of the priests made repairs above the horse gate, each opposite his own house. Verse 29, After them Zadok, son of Immer, made repairs opposite his house. Nobody had to travel very far to do the work. Because renewal happens where we live and breathe, the best place to start is where we live and breathe. That we start rebuilding the spiritual rubble around us in front of our house. We don't draw circles around the church building and say, okay, in this one mile rate, I don't care in this one mile radius. I want to know how many unbelieving, how many unsaved, how many lost, how many are destined for a, for a hell of eternity that live on your block. That's where we start. That's where you start. I start on my block. You start on your block. You go to work tomorrow morning. How many people are you going to bump into, rub shoulders with on a, on a weekly, daily basis, continual basis, that have no understanding of the truth of the gospel? You have a story they need to hear. And renewing the rubble starts where we live and breathe. In front of our house. We want to change a house. We want to change a block. We want to change a neighborhood. One family at a time. You know, the, the story goes, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. How do you transform? How do you reconcile Delaware County to God? One family at a time. One person at a time. One family at a time. One block at a time. One neighborhood at a time. And we start where you live. That's what it's going to look like for Mac. Every person is vital to the success of this ministry. It's not my ministry. It's not my church. It's our ministry. It's our church. And we all play a vital role. It's our responsibility. To be a part of that ministry of reconciliation. Every person is vital. Yes, some will do more. Some will do less. But everyone will do. Nehemiah. Some did a little section. Some repaired, like I said, 500 yards of the wall at one time. Every person has a story that needs to be told right where you live and breathe. Every person has a spiritual gift that is vital to accomplishing the task before us. A gift that God says is needed at Muncie Alliance Church, and He's given it to you. That's what makes you so important. So what does the pattern of ministry look like for us? How do we encircle Delaware County? State University? How do we extend out to the ends of the earth? We aren't looking for a transformed wall. We're looking for transformed lives. Renewed lives. Lives changed by the truth of the gospel. And we believe that the best place 
for sustainable life change, long-term life change transformation to occur is within intentional relationships where we live and breathe together in those intentional relationships. And we have four environments Four environments that pattern our ministry. And I want us to begin to to see these as environments. Not just as what we do, but there's purpose behind everything we do. And the bottom line is we do it only because we want to reconcile all people to God. So we have four environments that we've purposely created. We have a large group. And I, I think each of these environments is modeled by Jesus. It's not just something we pulled out of a hat. Studying the ministry of Christ and how He reached, how He set out to do ministry is how we set out to do ministry. That first environment is a large group environment. Jesus would preach on the mountainside or along the shore and, and this huge crowd would show up. We know that it, at times it numbered in the thousands because they fed Him. 5,000 men went, not counting the women and children. And so this large crowd would just show up. That's one environment. You're in it right now. Sunday morning worship is our large crowd environment. We just want the masses to come in. To hear the truth. To begin to, to build relationship. But then Jesus also had a medium group environment. Jesus met in, in homes. Sometimes people would invite him over and then they would invite all their friends over. And there may be 30, 40, 50 people in a home coming just to hear Jesus in a little bit different setting. A little bit different teaching style. Conversational. Wednesday night kind of falls into that medium group. That 30, 40, 50 number group where we gather together for a meal. And then we we hang around and, and we have a time of teaching, a time of interaction. Allows a little more conversation. Large group, medium group, then we also have small group environments. Where Jesus had his 12 disciples and he did things with the 12 that he couldn't do with the 30, 40, or 50 and he definitely couldn't do with the crowd. He poured himself into those 12. And so we have small group environments where 3 to 15 people meet in homes throughout the week. They do what we say, do life together. And then we have a fourth one, and that's a one-on-one environment. A mentor environment. To where maybe within that small group, there's, you know, Jesus had his twelve, but then he also had Peter, James, and John that were kind of that inner circle a little bit, that he poured seemingly more into Peter, James, and John than he did the other, the other nine. And so, when we combine the large group crowd, and we combine the medium group teaching, and the small group interaction, and transformation, and and community, and the one-on-one mentoring, and discipleship, that's our pattern. That's how one person, one house, one block, one neighborhood at a time. But we're all important to that process. We all have a role to play. We want to create small group environments all over the county. We want to create groups of 10 or 12 all over where we live and breathe. Strategically placed in your neighborhoods, in your workplaces. We have a small group right now that's meeting on Ball State. Bart started here uh, beginning of this year. 
getting faculty and staff together that want to come and just be an encouragement to one another and, and learn with one another. He's had as many as 15. Mailing list of 60. That's his medium crowd. Come together. Begin building those relationships. What does your office place work look like? Is that something that could be done? What about your neighborhood? These small group environments are for people to connect with God and connect with one another. To be intentional in those relationships. This is where your story intersects other stories. Where your story is able to to speak into someone else's story. And lives are changed. When we look at our small group environments, we focus on that community. We focus on those intentional relationships. We want to be real and authentic. We 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 don't hide our scars. We don't hide our wounds. That's probably not something we're going to do in a large group setting. Probably something most of us won't do in a medium group setting. But it's something that we find a safe and secure place to be real. Because we believe that true, sustainable life change happens in those small group environments. We talk about transformation, compassion, service, multiplying the pattern all over again. Reconciling people and developing leaders to create more of these small group environments. We're all important to the process. We're all important to the pattern. And leadership development is key. We've, we've, we've heard. And, and, and let me just say, I would love for 100% of Muncie Alliance Church to be in a small group environment. Because I truly believe that's where life change happens. But in order for 100% of us to be involved in a small group environment, we need no less than 15 leaders. No less than 15 groups to make that happen. Which means a lot of people either need to step up or be developed in that process, in that, that, that pattern of being a small group leader. I'm a true believer that everyone can lead a small group. And eventually will. Because as we grow and mature, we have a story to tell. And we take on the responsibility. And we gather a small group around us. And we begin seeing transformation and begin doing life together. A year ago, we started four small groups. Through some transitions, one group never quite launched. And we ended up with three, and that's okay. If we're going to start a ministry, the first thing I tell anyone is you have permission to fail. If the group doesn't take off, the ministry doesn't take off, that's fine. We're going to give it a shot. So we ended up with three small groups. And they began meeting for a year and they began talking about community and transformation and service and compassion and multiplication and and doing this again, repeating this pattern over and over and over. And this summer, in the midst of those three groups, we've gone from three leaders to six or seven now. And by this summer, we're going to start six or seven new small groups. And the pattern continues. Hopefully a year from now, we'll be at 14, 15, 16 small groups. 
And we just continue that pattern of, of transformation, of community, of, of service, of compassion, of multiplying and reproducing. We've seen new people come in. We've seen new believers accept Christ and, and move into a small group to begin that discipling process. You see, here as a church, two or three years ago, we began to establish what we want people to be. We said we want people to be what? Growing in intimacy with Christ. We want them to be living out the fruit of the Spirit. We want them to be serving through the gifts of the Spirit. We want them to be telling our grace stories. And we want them to be stewarding our lives. See, you're getting it. That's what we want people to be. Stewarding our lives. Revisioning our life to reflect God's vision. And then we also said we've already established what we want people to do. To take responsibility for what? Your circle of influence. Because renew happens, renewal happens where? Where you live and breathe. In that circle. Those people you come in contact with. Now, we've established where we want you to go. What to be, what to do, and where do I go to be and do it? We want people to go into a small group environment in front of their house, in their neighborhood, close by. I said one of the things I, I, we want to avoid is we want, people, we want to avoid people who live on the east side driving all the way across town to attend a small group on the west side. So how many lost people did you just drive by to get out here? Why don't we just start one over here and begin reaching one house, one block, one neighborhood at a time. And begin to see these circles become bigger and wider as we go. And multiply that pattern out to where one group becomes two and two become four and four become eight and eight become sixteen and before we know it, half the elephant's gone. One bite at a time. Your challenge this morning is to be an active participant in all four areas, all four groups. To be an active participant in the large group. To be an active participant in the medium group. To be an active participant in the small group. And to be an active participant in the one-on-one, whichever one you are. The mentor or the mentee. That's our challenge this morning, that that if we're going to truly... uh, It's great to say, yeah, Mac's all about reaching Delaware County, reaching Ball State, reaching on to the ends of the earth. But if we're not committed to being a part of what it's going to take, the pattern of ministry that it's going to take to do that, then what good is the being and doing? If they're just words on paper. The call this morning is to be a part of the process, to be a part of the pattern, to be actively involved in large group, medium group, small group, and one-on-one. Make repairs across from your house because renewal happens where we live and breathe. This morning we're going to do something a little different.
we, we put the map up on the wall a couple times and you've seen where all the gates were and you've seen, you know, people probably lived here and worked here and we're going to create our own map this morning. Maybe you've noticed there's two maps hanging up here. Maybe you didn't, could, you saw there were two somethings hanging up here. You didn't know what they were. The one on the left is a map of Delaware County. The one on the right is a map of the city of Muncie. And what I want us to do is I want us to, as, as people, as people who matter to the process, as people who matter to God, I want us to pinpoint where our house is so we know where the center of that circle begins. And then what we'll see is we'll begin seeing that there are neighborhoods that we're already in the middle of. And maybe you didn't even know it. We're going to find that there are holes where we need to, to reach into. That we need to come alongside. And strategically, we want to begin starting small group environments on those blocks, in those neighborhoods. So that one person, one house, one block, one neighborhood at a time, we begin reconciling all of Delaware County to God. Because we are Mac. We are real people with real stories. We are Art and Roberta Allen. Chris and Lisa Ambrosetti. Loretta Ambrosetti. Bill and Twyla Ames. Jesse and Haley Anderson. Doris Bailey. Jonathan and Julie Bailey. Joshua and Leanne Bannister. David and Gloria Barker. Heather Bath. Kim Beam. Larry and Dana Blakely, Joe and Lisa Blaylock, Pat and Steph Bloom, Joan Boutwell, Dave and Jen Brand, Ron Brannon, James and Brittany Bright, Ben and Felicia Bueller, Grant and Tisha Butler, Jim and Sally Butler, Ned and Robin Campbell, Michelle Carrera, Aaron and Maria Clark, Jim and Kay, Kay Crockett, Adam and Brittany Crowder, Joseph and Rachel Cunningham, we are Danny and Sherry Dickin, we are Bob and Debbie Icorn, Keith and Mary Ellen Ellsworth, Don and Ann Evans, Chaz and Jean Frechette, Ed Fredericks, John and Liz Gibson, Neil and Sarah Gifford, Phil and Jane Ann Glaze, Matt and Sue Godfrey, Travis Graves, Jerry and Nancy Groshong, Amanda Gwynn, Sheila Gwaltney, Leslie Hardacre, Ted and Sarah Harris, Brian and Catherine Hatton, Dwayne and Cindy Jefferson, Gina Job, Heather Job, Cheryl Keith. Kiesling, Rob and Kristen Kiesling, Brian and Pam Kirk, Jake and Lacey Kirk. We are Paula Kaiser, Allison Lacey, Lisa LaChapelle. We are Lucas and Lacey Lance, soon to be next Saturday. <laughs> right now we're Lucas Lance and Lacey. See, I didn't even bother learning your last name because I knew it was going to be Lance. We are Chris and Rachel LaRue, Lee and Amy Light. We are Chris and Heidi Marlowe, Jeremy and Angela Martin, Jeff Massbrook, Kate McClellan, Joan McClellan, Doug and Sandy Miranda, Scott and Becky Merkel, Eldon Morehouse, Rex and Jean Ellen Morgan, Zach Morris, Doug and Abby Nethaway, Bart and Iris Peterson, Brian and Darla Peters, Julie Pryor, Ray Reed, Adam and Rachel Riley, Brian Shaver, Jim and Sandina Short, Brandon and Shelley Schrock, Don and Julie Sims, Ann Siverly, David David Smith, Jeff Smith, Will and Isabel Sowers, Ryan and Christy Taylor, Nate and Rachel Taylor, Joe and Patty Trotty, Mike and Marsha Virgin, Harry and Elaine Walters. We are Richard and Gloria Ward. We are Kevin and Barb Weeza, Dennis and Terry Wright, Bill and Sylvia Wright, Scott and Kyra Zick, Marie Zoller, and Drew and Kyra Zilstra. That's who we are. And we are spread out all over 
Delaware County and beyond. And so I want you, I'm going to invite the worship team to come up right now. And be getting ready. They're going to sing two or three songs. And I just want you as a family or you as a head of household or however you want to do it to come up. And what you'll find is that list and in front of your name there will be a number. And on that table there are pins with numbers on them. I want you to take the pin that corresponds to your number and I want you to plant it on that map where you live. Now, if you are outside of Delaware County, I want you to plant it on the very edge next to the road that leads to your house. And we have a few that are there. Newcastle, Matthews, Elwood. But we are Mac. What if their name wasn't listed? Good point. If your name was not listed and you want to be a part of that, you come up. Because we will add your name to that list. And we'll give you a pen to place where you live. Because we're all important. We all have a story. We all have a part of this ministry of reconciliation. Amen? Brian. Brent, we're going to do Jesus Lead On first. Would you stand with us? my cry This is my song You are my guiding light The way is unknown And when these sunny skies turn shades of gray Stay close by your side as you lead the way. Jesus, lead on, I will follow. Jesus, lead on, let your love light the way. Jesus, lead on, I will follow. Jesus, lead on. Hear now this. Hear now this song You are the guiding light For the journey I'm on And when my vision is clouded By the wind and the rain I'll stay close by your side as you lead the way. Jesus, lead on, I will follow. Jesus, lead on, let your love light the way. Jesus, lead on, I will follow. Jesus, lead on. Follow. Lead 
God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Households is what I read off. And if you probably can't see it from there, but you come and take a look, and we are scattered all around the county and the city, which is a phenomenal place to be. That we can begin making that impact right where we live and breathe. Amen? Amen. I'm going to ask uh, one of my one-on-one, I don't know which one of us is the mentor and which one is the mentee, but Jeff Lawson is a fellow pastor. We cross paths in school, he and his wife Cindy and Sarah and I, and so I'm just going to ask Jeff if he'll come up and just pronounce the benediction and close us out. Sure. Let's pray together. Father, you're such a good God. Amen. Amen.